Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning, and I hope you've come and you are ready to hear from the Word of God this morning. We're so excited to have you join us, and I hope today will be a help to you. And our goal today is to give hope, and we hope that you will find hope today. And we want you to understand what hope is, and we want you just to have a hope in this world for all of eternity. And so if you would, please take your Bibles with me. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And while you're turning there, I want you to think about the month of March, the month of March, but not this March, last March, March of 2020. March of 2020 was a month that most of us can probably remember uh, pretty vividly. Many of us would want to forget it though, wouldn't we? March of 2020. Most of us, if we remember back that far, we were happily going about our business Uh, Spending time with our family, going to work, doing all the things that we would normally, typically do, just basically living life. Most of us had heard about a thing called the coronavirus. But if we're honest, most of us probably said something to this effect, it it will never affect us here. And we began to watch as COVID-19 began to spread all across the world. And early projections for Canada were that 100, between 100 and 350,000 Canadians would die from COVID-19. Now that was pretty haunting. Our hope that life would continue on as normal was becoming more constricted. In fact, public health measures began to be implemented. People were uh, told that they could not see their families anymore and fears began to move in. Businesses became closed, some for good. People were ordered to stay away from family and friends. There were many that struggled with emotional and mental pain. Hardship was a word that just kind of lingered. Hope was a word that almost became detestable. We didn't even want to hear about it anymore. Where's the end? We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know where the end was. We didn't know how long we were going to be here. I don't think there's one of us that sits here this morning that genuinely wants to go back to March of 2020 and do this all over again. I don't. I'm not sure if you do or not, but I don't think any of us wants to do it all over again. I think most of us are hopeful that that we will return to some sort of normalcy. We're hopeful that things are going to get back, that businesses are going to open, that we're going to be able to spend time with our family and friends, even extended family and friends. We're going to ho- hopeful to be able to travel again. All these different things that we're hopeful of happening. We hope that people's mental health stabilizes and continues to get better and better as the days go on. We all have a picture in our heads of what normal looks like. And we all long for that. We all hope for that. What we've gone through over the last year and a half is in some ways similar to the Bible story that we're going to look at today. The nation of Israel. You're in John chapter 3. We're going to look there in just a minute. But the nation of Israel was once a free nation. They were a happy people. They had their own culture. They had their own king. They had their own borders. They had their own religion. They had their own... uh, I mean, dress, everything. Like their cities were Israeli cities. They, they had everything their own. But something happened in 597 BC. 
597 BC, the Babylonians or the Chaldeans, they came and they conquered the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. They enslaved many of the people. They broke down the walls of Jerusalem. They broke down the temple in Jerusalem. And they shipped many of them off and told them that they had to become Babylonian. We understand that now their culture was being stripped away. The Babylonians later were conquered by a man by the name of Cyrus the Great. He was a Persian. He conquered the Babylonians. And so then now the Israelis are now passed over to the Persians. Now they're taking on the Persian culture. Then after that, a man by the name of Alexander the Great conquers the Persians. He was a Greek. And then obviously all of the Greek culture was passed on to the Israelis. After that, the Romans came and they conquered the Greeks. And now the cities are Roman. The culture is Roman. The kings are Roman. They're constantly uh, being, Roman soldiers are everywhere now. And this is where we find our story. Our story is here. These, this nation of Israel was enslaved. They were in bondage. They were uh, under Roman rule. And their hope was simply this. Just a hope of normalcy. We want to get back to what we had before. We want this hope of normalcy. They didn't like being under anyone's rule. Especially the Roman rule. However, there was a prophecy in the old Jewish writings. And that prophecy said that there would come what's called a Messiah. A deliverer. Somebody that would come and deliver Israel out of their present circumstance. And he would set up a kingdom. A new Jewish kingdom. And listen, the Jews were excited about that. They wanted that to happen more now so than ever because for over 600 years now, they have spent time under someone else's rule. Sure, they tried their level best to maintain their culture. And if you have read the Bible at all, you understand that there was some of the culture that they kept. They tried hard, but it was just getting harder and harder. If you will, hope, again, for 600 years after 600 years of being uh, in someone else's rule, you just, I'm sure, would feel defeated. You just feel defeated. Hope was almost gone. Like, we're never going to get out of this thing. Just constant. When all of a sudden, a man pops on the scene, and his name is Jesus. He was an amazing man. He's 30 years old, and he starts to gain popularity extremely quickly. He is an excellent speaker. He is a powerful speaker. And people would come from all over the place to hear him speak. While he would speak during that time, people would bring to him sick people. And Jesus would heal them. And then if they figured if he could heal someone who's sick, maybe he can heal someone who's lame. So they would bring a lame man to him and he would heal that lame man. They said, well, maybe if he can heal a lame man, he can get a demon out of somebody. And they would bring to him a demon-possessed child. And 
Jesus would cast that demon out and he would heal blind men and he would heal deaf and he would heal mute and he would heal a person with a withered hand and he would change the water into wine and he would raise a man by the name of Lazarus from the dead. Listen, Jesus was just performing all kinds of different miracles and he was becoming extremely, extremely popular. And no doubt all of the Jewish leaders are getting together and they're beginning to look at the prophecies and they're looking at Jesus and they're looking at the prophecies and going, yeah, this could be the guy. This could be him. This could be the one we've been waiting for. This could be the Messiah. This could be our deliverer. He just might be the one who could deliver us from Roman rule. Again, hope was beginning to be restored. I mean, the anticipation was high. You, you've all been there. In opportunities where, like, I remember when I was a kid going fishing, we, every year we would go take this fishing trip. I remember the night before the anticipation was so high. Hard time sleeping, right? We've all been there, so put yourself in that situation. The anticipation of this person being the Messiah, bringing in the new normal, the, the Jewish system. Again, they were so excited about that. One of these religious leaders was a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus. So let's pick up our story here in John chapter 3. The Bible says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. I want you to notice that Nicodemus was a Jewish leader. A Jewish leader. This is important. He was known to be even not just a Jewish leader, but also a religious leader. If you know anything about the Israelis and the Jews, they are extremely religious. Their whole culture is religious. And so he was a, a Jewish leader. He was also a religious leader. In fact, the Bible calls him, at that time they were called Pharisees. You know, anything about the Pharisees is they dressed the part. They looked the part. They dressed a certain way, and they were different from common people. They were, they were not just common. They were above the common people. He was a, a Jewish leader, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. And so we find out even in verse 10 of this chapter that Nicodemus was a teacher, a master, or an instructor, so Nicodemus was a high-ranking official. He was of the upper echelon of society. He had his act together. He was a master teacher. He was a professor, right? I mean, this guy basically had it all. And he comes to Jesus, and notice what he asks him or and, and says to him. He says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Rabbi means teacher. We know that thou art a teacher. Come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Already, Nicodemus is laying the groundwork. Hey, we know that you're come from God. We know that God has sent you here because nobody can do the things that you're doing except God has sent him. Again, almost as if to say, hey, we're excited that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. We're excited that you're going to set up the new kingdom. What can we do to help? What do we have to get ready? We're even hopeful that you're going to get us back to normal because God has sent you. 
Anticipation's high. It's exciting. But notice what Jesus says. How Jesus responds to Nicodemus. Look at verse 3. The Bible says this, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, which means truly, truly, the thing that I'm going to say is true. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus' answer is a little bit different. He doesn't say, you know what, Nicodemus, I am the person who you think I am. That's not what he said. Jesus cuts right to the chase. He knows what Nicodemus is thinking. He knows where Nicodemus is going with this kingdom. And he immediately confronts Nicodemus with his problem. He immediately stops Nicodemus and says, listen Nicodemus, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God except you be born again. So Nicodemus is hopeful that Jesus is the Messiah sent from God But Jesus needs Nicodemus to see something different. Jesus is challenging the hope of Nicodemus. He's challenging that hope. And Jesus is showing that Nicodemus that your your hope is shallow. Your hope is in this earth, these earthly things. And so Jesus introduces Nicodemus to a new birth. Again, look at verse 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Of God, and no doubt Nicodemus is just like you. What in the world does born again mean? Look at verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Again, Nicodemus obviously is a little confused as to what Jesus is saying, and most of us, again, thinking, How can I be born again? I mean, I'm 32 years old. My mother would not want me to be born again, trust me. I was nine pounds and six ounces when I first came out. I don't weigh that anymore. Being born again, what in the world does it mean, Jesus? I want you to understand and remember that Nicodemus, like all Jewish leaders, were extremely proud of their heritage. Extremely proud. In fact, the Jews are extremely proud people. They're very proud of their first birth. They were born of, if you will, good stock, good families, high-ranking families, leadership families. They were born of a specific tribe of Israel. If you will, they had great privilege. And that privilege was handed down to them. They were the elite of society. And Nicodemus was no, no slouch in this manner. He had a great privilege handed to him, and he took that privilege and he used it. He worked hard. And I mean, from all outward appearances, he looked the part. He, he was a godly man. He wanted to obey the commandments of God. He worked hard to live a good life. And he believed that God would someday set up his new kingdom. He was looking for that. But listen, Jesus is challenging that, saying, listen, that belief is not enough. In fact, the commentator David Gusick writes this, by all outward appearances... Nicodemus was already transformed unto God. He looked apart. Everything looked right. He was different than the common people. He wore better clothes. He, he, he worked harder. He was sold out to God and he wanted God's reign to come. But I, all outward appearances, he looked like he was transformed to God. But he wasn't. Nicodemus was simply reformed. 
He was not transformed. He was reformed. So listen, you might be sitting here today thinking, man, I just need to clean up my life a little bit. I mean, I got a lot going for me. I don't need to make any major changes. I just need to make a few changes in order to get my life just a little bit better. I just need to make some reform, right? I mean, I got a job. I own my own company. I got a wonderful family. I got great cars. I have, you know, a great house. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. I have all these wonderful things going for me. Man, I grew up. My family gave me so much. And I've just got everything going for me. I just don't need to make a big change, just little changes. Jesus is challenging that thought. Jesus is saying, listen, Nicodemus, you've got everything going on. Nicodemus is probably coming to Jesus saying, all right, Jesus, you're here to set up your kingdom. What do we got to do to get you there? What are a few little tweaks? What are the few little changes that we have to make? Listen, we've tried our level best to maintain the Jewish culture so that when you came, it was all here for you. I'm sure there's a few things we just need to change. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Your first birth means nothing. You need to be born again. Those things that you are holding on to are not enough. We don't need reform. We don't need a little bit of washing. We do not need religion or more religion. Those things are not enough. We need complete regeneration. We need complete transformation. And so Jesus says we must be born again. Again, your old birth, your first birth, whether good or bad, you may not have born into, been born into good stock. Your parents may not have been together or given you anything. Your parents may have passed away. I don't know what, but listen, no matter what your first birth has, it doesn't matter. What matters is you must be born again. You must be born again. So you might be sitting there today trusting your heritage, your job, your money, your family, your good acts, your kindness. Listen, the list could go on and on and on. You're trusting in those things to get you into the kingdom of God. Jesus says, no, you must be born again. None of those things are good enough. You say born again, you still haven't answered the question. What does that mean and why in the world should I be born again? Well, let's continue on through the passage. Look at verse five. Jesus answered, verily, verily, again, he says, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. So I just want to stop there just for a second. You see, the first birth is a fleshly birth. It's a physical birth. All of us are here today in the flesh because we were born. Okay, Not hard to understand. That which was born of flesh is flesh. That's the first birth. However, there's a problem with this birth. This birth enters us into what's called the human race. Again, again, not hard to understand, but there's a problem with the human race. The human race is sinful. You are sinful. And I guarantee every one of you just got defensive. I just, I've just offended you. 
right? Now, I'm not sinful. Just hang on a second. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. So listen, all of us have sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. God defines sin as lying, cheating, stealing, lusting, coveting. I mean, the list could just go on and on and on of all the things. Sin is basically this, falling short of God's glory. There's many times where we try to do good things and we, we shoot high, but every time we just fall short. No matter what we try to do, sin holds us down. It's like a weight. But every time we try to shoot for God's glory, we just miss it every time. So we must admit this morning that we are sinners. We've lied, we've cheated, we've stolen. And listen, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. I typically, I'm going to brag on myself just a little bit, I think of myself as a pretty good person. You may not, but I do. Okay, so it doesn't matter how good of a person you are, I want you to understand we all have a sin problem. I'll be honest with you this morning, I have lied. I'm a sinner, I'm a liar. I have cheated, I can remember the day. I have stolen, I lust, I covet. I, I, I am not a good person. I, I'm a sinner. My old birth, though it was awesome, is not good enough because it's infused with sin. As soon as I come out of my mother's womb, as soon as I'm conceived, the Bible says, I am infused with sin. And that sin condemns us to death. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. So we all know people who have died. It's infused with sin. Our first birth is infused with sin and that leads to death. And so you say, why do I need to be born again? I need to be born again because of sin. Sin comes with our physical birth. It's infused. But sin is a spiritual issue. So we need to be born again spiritually. Jesus says in verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. There's two different things. Because of sin, we cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Sin keeps us out of that. The new birth gives us entrance into a new kingdom. Let me say that again. The new birth gives us an entrance into the new kingdom. When we are born into this world, we are born into the earth. Being born again means entrance into a new kingdom, heaven. Our old birth is corrupt. Our sin. But the new birth, listen, the new birth is eternal. Most of us are hoping for things to get back to normal, right? I'm very hopeful. Most of you are very hopeful. Now, things are going to get back to normal. Again, businesses are going to open. People are going to be able to come to your house. You're going to be able to spend time with people. You won't have to wear a mask in the store. All of these different things that we're hoping to get back to normal. But can I just tweak that just a little bit? And That's just a shallow hope. Let me ask you a question. Truly, how long is everything going to stay normal? How long is everything going to stay, quote, normal? The reality is the roller coaster ride of the last year and a half of ups and downs and, oh, we're getting close to normal? Ah, uh, no, we're not. Normal? No. Normal? No. Constantly back and forth. 
Jesus doesn't want to give us a shallow hope of what October looks like. Jesus wants to give us an eternal hope of what eternity looks like. Most of us can't look past today. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, listen, I'm not here to set up my earthly kingdom. You need to enter into the kingdom of God by being born again. Let's go, let's skip over a few verses and go down to verse 15. Notice that whosoever believeth in him, in Jesus, should not perish, that's death, but have what? Eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not, again, perish death, but have everlasting life. Look at verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus' entire purpose for coming to this earth was to save all mankind. They're all infused with sin. Jesus came to take sin away. Jesus came to pay the penalty of sin for every single human being. We believe Jesus is God's son. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus was sent here to pay for your sin. Jesus was sent here to give you the opportunity of having your sin erased Jesus died on the cross a horrific death. He had the sin of the entire world then placed upon him. With that sin, he died. Listen, your sin has been paid for. You just need to be born again. You think about our first birth. We didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to pay a dime I didn't have to work at all. My mom did all the work. My parents paid for everything. I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was be born again. I just had to trust my mom that, hey, this was the time. Just come out. Just be born again. Being born again is done by simply believing that my first birth is not good enough. Jesus came to take the penalty of sin. I cannot enter into heaven on my own. I'm a sinner. And that sin keeps me from everlasting life. Being born again is simply putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Believing in him. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believing that He was sent from heaven, believing that he died on the cross for your sins. Just trust Jesus. Just trust that Jesus has taken care of the cost. No doubt most of you are probably asking, all right, why in the world did Jesus even do this? Why did Jesus even do this? Well, God created the world. God created the world. You may not believe that here this morning, but we believe that God created all mankind. On the sixth day of creation, we believe that God created mankind for fellowship, to walk and talk with God. In fact, we understand that Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the garden. They spent time with God. They fellowshiped with him. They just were with him. They had a relationship with him. God spent time with man. 
But man, again, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. Again, that's sin. They disobeyed God. And the Bible tells us that because Adam and Eve sinned and after they sinned, they had children, that that sin was then passed upon all men. Every child born had sin. And so God, because of sin, could no longer have fellowship with us. The sin separated us from God. But listen, God still loves us. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world. Most people think of God as a big ogre in the sky that just wants to destroy everything. Listen, look at, look at verse 17 again. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. God, God's goal in sending Jesus was not to send everybody to hell. Most, there's some people that think that. All God wants to do is send everybody to hell. No, God does not want to send everybody to hell. God brought Jesus Christ so that all would be saved. There will be people who reject him that will go to hell. But that was not God's purpose. God loves us. God wants to save us. If you will, please understand this. God wants to get us back to the original normal. The original normal where he walked and talked with us. Where he spent time with us. Listen, write this down. Being born again brings us back to normal. Being born again brings us back to normal. Listen, sin corrupts me. But being born again brings me back to the original normal. God sent his only begotten son to pay the penalty of sin so that I don't have to perish. But I can have an everlasting, eternal life, walking, talking, spending time with God. He died so that we can be born again without that sin. Again, he made a way for us to return to the original normal. A way that we can walk. A way that we can talk. A way that we can fellowship with him again. Because with sin in our lives, there is no way that we can spend time with God. Born again. I want to go back to John chapter 3 and verse 8. Jesus gives us an illustration. He says, The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So he just gives us the illustration of the wind. He says, listen, all of us understand that there's wind. We, we see the effects of it. We can't see the wind. We just see the effects of it. We don't know where it's coming or where it's going. We, we don't know much about the wind, but we understand that it's there. The reality is this. I don't, I don't know where you are today, but you do not have to understand everything there is to know about Jesus Christ in order to partake in being born again. There's not one of us that sits here today that when we were born the first time, we knew everything that was going on. We understood every intricate detail. No, not at all. We were just born again or born the first time. In the same way, you may not understand everything there is to know about Jesus, but that doesn't mean you can't experience the new birth. In fact, Nicodemus, look at verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? So you might be not understanding, and that's okay. That doesn't make you ignorant Nicodemus, a teacher, a ruler of the Jews, a master. 
still doesn't understand. Still is a little confused. Listen, if I can boil it down again, you just have to believe in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did. You have to believe that you cannot enter into the kingdom of God without him. You can try to do everything you want to get in. Everything you want. You can work hard. You can do good works. You can live the most moral life you could possibly think of. That's not enough. You must be born again. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you believe in Jesus and that he paid the debt for you. I honestly, I don't know where your hope is right now. And maybe you're sitting there and you just genuinely have no hope. Mentally, emotionally, you're struggling. You don't know which way to turn. You don't have faith in your family anymore. You don't have faith in your church family. You don't have faith in the government. You're just struggling. You don't have any hope. Listen, this morning we want to show you not a shallow temporal hope, but an eternal hope. The hope in Jesus Christ that, listen, no matter what happens, listen to me, no matter what happens, I don't care what happens tomorrow, I don't care what happens in October, I don't care what happens 50, 60, 70, 80, 10,000 years from now, I know that I will be in heaven with Jesus Christ. I have hope. It's an eternal hope because I have been born again. We want you to have that. Things are going to get real later on in the book of John, for Jesus and Nicodemus. Things are going to get really hard. But Nicodemus, being born again, had a hope, had an eternal hope. And we want you to have that same hope this morning. Won't you come and find hope? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Father, I pray there's one listening to this that does not know you, that has never been born again. Father, I pray that today would be that day that they would put their faith and trust in you and enter into the new kingdom. Enter into the kingdom of God because of your shed blood. And Father, we pray all these things in your name. I'm just gonna ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I don't, I don't know where you're at today, but this is just simply what I want you to do. If you're listening here online, I desperately just want you to start a conversation with us. So maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I need to know more about this. I, I need to have that hope. Listen, we want to give you that hope. We want you to know. So this is simply all I want you to do. There's a link in the description that's a connect card. Ourbiblebaptist.ca slash connect. Just click that link. Fill out a few details and just in the comments, just say, I want to start a conversation about Jesus. If you don't want to go through all that trouble, just drop it in the, in the comments. Say, I just want to know more about Jesus. I want to start a conversation. We desperately want to give you hope, but we can't unless we can help start a conversation. Jesus is the one who gives hope and we want to introduce you to him. We're going to give you just a minute to make a decision to pray, talk to God, and hopefully you'll take this time to click that link and fill, out, fill that out and let us start a conversation with you. Let's give you that time right now.